excited because we are going to uh, tag team this morning. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Because Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy just means second, second law, second law. So anyways, we're uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4 is where we're going to be at. And before we get started, I just want to share with you something that has just been on my heart, something that's just really God has stirred in me over the last uh, few years in my life, and uh, just kind of the impact that it's had. And it's something that I think we're all familiar with. It's something that we've all heard. Uh, if you grew up in church, especially if you didn't grow up in church, and then I pray that you've, you've heard it recently. But, but maybe it's something that you never really experienced, and I think that's the way it was for me. Even though I was raised in church, I grew up hearing about Jesus. I even went to Bible college, right? Studied the Bible. And then I've been spending the last 11, 12 years in ministry, uh, you know, serving Jesus and serving people. And I feel like I'm just starting to kind of wrap my brain around this idea of gospel-centered living. See, this journey started for me when I was introduced uh, to gospel-centered parenting, which we're going to talk more about here in just a few minutes, by uh, a couple of brothers. Uh, you guys may be familiar with them if you, if you grew up in church. Their names are Ted and Paul Tripp. Anybody ever heard of Ted and Paul Tripp? Anybody? No, you've heard of them because I've been talking about them. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ted Tripp has a book uh, that we're going to mention this morning, and that sparked something in me. Uh, when, when our first uh, son, Jude, was born, we, we read this book. And, and ever since that book, uh, we read that book, I've been seeking out other books. I've been listening to sermons to kind of help me get my, my brain wrapped around. Because even though it wasn't a new idea, like I knew what the gospel was, I think we all know, if you grew up in church, what the gospel was, right? Let's define the gospel. The gospel is the good news that Jesus, God's own son, we sing about it, came to earth to live as one of us. And he lived a perfect life because it was a, a life that we could not attain. And Jesus went to the cross and he died on the cross for our sins and he absorbed God's wrath towards rebellious sinners. And through Jesus, we have the forgiveness of sins if we choose to accept that. We have Christ's righteousness given to us if we choose to accept it. And for me, man, I just, it's about really how the gospel is good news, not just on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, and how that really impacts the way I live, and how it impacts every area of my life. Because you see, the Bible, anything and everything in the Bible points to Jesus. And so therefore, everything and anything in my life needs to point to Jesus. And that's what it's about. So how does this apply to parenting? Well, we plan to share some information with you this morning, but this is a topic that really could fill sermon after sermon and book after book. And as you listen today, I just want to encourage you to ask God to help you understand what gospel-centered parenting looks like. And then I would love for you to come and, and talk to us, right? We want a dialogue, right? We don't want to just stand up here and talk, but we want a dialogue. I, I, I spent a great, uh, Jonathan, man, we, we met, we, I loved our conversation the other day, didn't Did you enjoy that? I mean, we talked for two hours the other day, man. I love Dan. I love when we talk, man. I love it. And so I, I want to continue those dialogues and, ch and chatting with you guys about this idea of gospel-centered living and gospel-centered parenting and have conversations with you. And um, so 
Is everybody good? Everybody ready? Well, let's pray, and then we'll get started. Father God, we thank you so much for your son Jesus. We thank you for your love for us and how you pursue us in a relationship. And Father, just uh, how that just really absolutely changes our life. Father, I thank you for uh, the spirit that lives in us. And um, Father, we just pray now that as we come and as we study this passage from Deuteronomy, God, that you would open our minds and our hearts. Father, that your, your spirit would just move throughout this place. And that your son, Jesus, would be exalted. And that you would be glorified. And that is our prayer this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I know this may be hard for some of you to believe, and yes, it goes against everything that I teach our young people here on Sunday night, but when I was in high school, I had a girlfriend. I did. You guys act surprised. You guys act surprised. I mean, I'm glad none of our teenagers are in here, right, because I, I constantly tell them, do not date in high school. And yes, I had, a, I had a girlfriend, and her name was, are you ready for this? Vivian. Vivian, that sounds sophisticated, right? I mean, that sounds good. Vivian. The thing about Vivian was, here's the thing about Vivian. She was an only child. Anybody here an only child in your home growing up? We'll pray for you guys. All right? Not only was she an only child, but she was the only grandchild of the family. I mean, come on, right? That's like hitting the lottery. That's like hitting a jackpot, Right? I mean, because we all know that the sole responsibility of grandparents is to do what? Right. Spoil. And when there's no one else competing for their love and affection, as an only child, you receive it all. So you can imagine what Vivian's life was like growing up. And in the eyes of her grandparents, she could do no wrong. As far as they were concerned, she walked on water. I remember uh, one of her grandfathers owned a boat marina on Clayton Lake State Park. And every time he saw her, I'm, I'm not kidding here, every time he saw her, he would slip her money. And I'm not talking about dollar bills, right? It would be like 20s, right, 50. I'm like, what? This is, this is crazy. This is crazy. Can, I, can you adopt me as your grandson? You know, like, really, really. But I remember thinking uh, often that there is no way that I could ever marry this girl because she is so used to getting whatever she wanted that uh, she would just constantly be in a state of disappointment with me. So uh, I knew it would never work out, but uh, you guys can laugh at that. That's, that's cool. All right? you, guys, you guys can wake up. But I'll never forget what Vivian received from her family as a high school graduation gift. You guys ready for this? Now, now most of us upon graduation, right, we receive what? Cash? You know, we get us cash. Some, uh, sometimes that people may give us uh, some type of organizer thing for college, you know. Hey, take this to college with you and you can organize your clothes or whatever. Uh, some people may give you, I don't know, what are some of the gift cards. That's what our seniors are getting today from us is gift cards, all right? And, uh, and so you can get different gifts, right? But not Vivian. Vivian got a brand spanking new Dodge Stealth. Now, for you guys, you guys remember what a Dodge Stealth was? That's, that's a sharp. I got a picture of it, Gary, and I did forget that. But second service will get that, all right? But there's a Dodge Stealth. I mean, they were, the, they were a nice 1996 Dodge. That was a nice car. Right? That was a nice car. I mean, that would be like the equivalent of, you know, guys today of us getting a brand new Chevy Silverado extend cab, right? How many of us would love that, right? I would love that, right? 
Or for the ladies, it would be like getting a nice, brand-new convertible Mustang with the bells and whistles, right? I mean, I would love that, right? But here's the thing, man. When you get a brand-new car like that for graduation, everything else pales in comparison, right? Like if, you, like if you have to give your gift after she received that car, you're like, uh, never mind. I don't have anything for you. I, uh, just I'll keep my organizer with me. You know, that's all right. But I remember thinking, man, how crazy, how silly for her parents to do that. Because I, I had a, a, maybe a little bit of jealousy, you know, maybe. And I thought, I should have just wrecked that thing. She didn't. She didn't. But, but I remember thinking, man, I cannot believe. Just, I mean, she's going to be, I can't imagine someday what her inheritance is going to be like. Can you imagine what she's going to get someday as an inheritance? It's going to be massive. And the reality this morning is, is that most of us, most parents, can't give our children a lavish inheritance. But every parent will leave a personal legacy. And, and that's the question we want to ask this morning is, is when you examine your life today, whether you're a parent, grandparent, or not a parent at all, right, what type of legacy will you leave in terms of who you were, what you stood for, and what you valued most. Now, now Moses, the writer of the first five books of the Old Testament, addresses this very thing in the passage that we're going to read. And he stands before the nation of Israel, and he delivers what is called the great Shema. Can you guys say that? Shema. My wife, she can sing like the whole thing, because she said when she was in Bible college, they had to repeat this like every morning in Old Testament class. So she was like singing it this whole week. I was like, man, that's, that's beautiful. All right, the great Shema. It's what it says. And here's what it says. If you're there, Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4, and this is what it says. Hear, O Israel, listen up, pay attention, don't miss this. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Everything hinges on this truth that God is God, that he's at the center, that it's all about him. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts. So what that means is, is you parents, you grandparents, you adult, you need to be firmly planted and rooted in the gospel. In the gospel. Then he says, impress them on your children. That word impress is kind of like you iron something on a, like a press on. You press down, right? And the idea is to influence, to affect to sway, to move, to excite, to stir within your children this gospel-centered living. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Basically what Moses is saying is every chance you get, talk about God. Moses is informing the parents that as parents, their number one role is to continually point their children to Jesus. And you are the primary faith influence in your kids' lives. As a church, we recognize this, and our desire is to partner with you as parents to come alongside of you, to walk with you, and help you point your kids to Jesus. Now, this sounds easy, but we know that it's far from easy, right? I mean, if it was easy, then... It would be easy peasy, but because we live in a culture that makes it easy for us to get sidetracked from what really matters. We live in a culture that places so much value on our stuff 
that it's easy to get distracted from what really is valuable. And it can become really easy without even knowing it to communicate to our kids that this stuff is what really matters. Moses knew this, and so he emphasized that leaving a legacy is not about what you have, but it's about how you live. Because if we could impart you with one thing today that you could walk away from, it would be this right here. The life, the life that you lead, your interactions with your kids every day, your business dealings at work, your free time, how you live your life, how you lead is the legacy that you will leave. Does that make sense? So how do we make this most impact? As Aaron and I were sitting talking about what we wanted to share today, we had lists, we had so much information, but not to overwhelm you and to keep you here all afternoon, we narrowed it down to three things. The first being, imagine the end. In Deuteronomy, um, Moses was most concerned about, as he was stepping down, what he, legacy he was going to leave, what legacy his nation was going to leave on future generations. In verse 4, he says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Moses wanted to make sure that the Israelites knew what was most important, our relationship with God. If we don't start with God, we may end up in the wrong place. So what is your end goal? What legacy do you want to leave for your kids? Do we want that happy kid that's driving that Mustang or that Silverado? They're going to the most prestigious college? Or they're playing NFL or NBA and fulfilling our dreams that we didn't make? Or is it your goal to, for your child to have a relationship with God? God is the only thing that can satisfy our, our desires. And through him is our purpose in life. That doesn't mean we have to have it all together. We don't have to be perfect. We make mistakes as parents. We know that. But as parents, we need to leverage our capacity to help our kids move towards that relationship with God. Create faith discussions with your kids. Talk about where you see God working during the day. Help them to understand that Jesus is their friend, God loves them, and that God made them. Look at where you're spending your time during the day and during the week and determine if that's leading to the end that you imagine. I love, uh, I love that, that uh, she, she said that God loves you, that God made you, and that Jesus wants to be your friend. I tell Jude that, I tell Jude that all the time, I'm like, hey man, I want you to know, buddy, God loves you, that God made you, and that Jesus wants to be your friend, and that mommy and daddy love you too, and, and I love uh, how she said, you know, that we're not perfect at this, you know, and I think that's one way of helping us point our kids to Jesus, is, is being able to sit them down and say, man, I know that you, you, you messed up here, I know that you got angry here, and, but, but know that, that mommy and daddy sometimes get angry as well, and that's why we need Jesus, that's why we... We, we need him uh, to, to, to make our dirty heart clean. And so it's such a powerful truth, and yet it's so easy for us, even as adults, to forget that we are God's children. Would you agree? It's easy to forget that. It's so easy for us to forget that our identity is in Christ. And if we want to reach the end that we have in mind for our kids and for ourselves, 
then we need to constantly, constantly lay before our children and ourselves that our identity is in Christ. See, this is the way that, that, that God designed it. You see in Genesis, the very first book of the Bible that Moses also wrote, it says that we were created in God's image. So when God made us, he put desires within our hearts. He gave us the desire for intimate relationship. He gave us the desire to feel wanted and valued. He gave us the desire for self-worth. He gave us those desires, and the intention from the very beginning was for those desires to ultimately be met and satisfied in a loving relationship with God. That was the intent, right? Does that make sense? So when Satan comes along in Genesis 3 and he seduces Adam and Eve to believe that, hey, man, God, God's really holding back on you guys, that there, there, that there was more to be had in life than what God was giving them, they, they, they fell hook, line, and sinker. And listen, we've been buying this lie ever since the beginning of time, ever since Adam and Eve fell. And so sin entered the world, and sin fractured everything. It didn't just fracture our relationships, but it fractured the earth. It fractured the world. It fractured everything. The relationship that we once enjoyed with God was tarnished when Adam and Eve disobeyed. See, in the Christian world, we often, often call this the fall. Adam and Eve fell from obedient relationship to a disobedient relationship. But, but here's the problem, okay? Those desires that God gave us, we still have those desires, right? We still have the desire for a relationship. We still have the desire to, to feel wanted and to have self-worth and the self-value, right? We still have those desires, but because of the fall, hear me out here, this is our issue, because of the fall, because of sin and our disobedience to God, we no longer look to God for that satisfaction, but we turn to what? We turn to our marriage partner. Hey, can you satisfy my needs? Hey, we turn to our kids. Can you meet this in, in, for me that I, I wasn't able to when I was your age? Or we find our value in our work. And you see the problem with that? All those things are things that God gave us to enjoy and to ultimately worship him through. But what we've done is we've turned our back on God, and we've set those things up as our God. And they were never meant to do that. That's why we constantly feel tension in our relationships. That's why we know that something just isn't right. And when we feel that tension, what we like to do is we like to put up walls and barriers and not talk about it and not discuss it. And in reality, what that's supposed to do is it's supposed to drive us closer to Jesus. Because what it does is it's like, man, I know that my wife can't satisfy every need that I have. And therefore, it drives me to the cross. You see what I'm saying? I know that my work cannot fulfill me and give me self-worth and self-value. Only Christ can do that. And so when you feel that tension in your relationships, when you feel that desire within you to be wanted and to, to feel value and have self-worth, understand that that is supposed to be there to drive us to Jesus and help us see our need for him. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? All right. So this is why the gospel is good news. God, God has redeemed our relationships through Jesus Christ. He redeems our identity. When we come to Jesus in faith, we become a new creation. Identity will determine our activity. So if our identity is rooted in Christ, that will determine our activity. So if we desire to reach the end, goal that we have in mind, we need to continually remember who we are. 
Amen. All right. Our second point, we're moving on to verse 5. Moses shares, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Our second point today is to fight for the hearts. Our heart is the control center of life. In Luke 6.45, it says, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings up evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of the heart, our mouth speaks. So truly, we need to fight for our children's hearts because God works from the inside out. Our goal as parents cannot simply be well-behaved and obedient children. We need to make sure that we're shepherding our children, that they not only understand the external what we're doing wrong, but in our hearts, the internal, why am I doing this? We must help our children to recognize um, that God, when God's working in their heart, And if we truly want to pass on the legacy to our children, we need to do this through relationships. Probe into your child's heart. Ask them questions. Although many of us, if you ask, hey, how was your day? Fine. You get one-word answers. (laughs) Don't let it stop there. Give them some time. They'll come, and they'll share more. I found with my boys, the best time is at nighttime. I hang with them at bedtime, and... um, They'll just open up in the privacy or intimacy of their room. Now, just to make clarify, I don't tuck them in because they're 12 and 16, but I hang with them at bedtime a little bit. And it's, it's kind of cool what they'll share at that point. And as Aaron and I sit up here, just like he said, we don't always get it right. We're learning, too, as we go. And um, I had a, a big smack in the face this week. Um, Justin had his math SOL, and so we talked. I said, Justin, you know, what do you want for breakfast? Make sure you have a good, um, solid breakfast, right? Do the right things. Check it off before you go to school. And he said, okay, Mom, I want some eggs. Perfect. Fixes some eggs in the morning. All right, here's your breakfast, Justin. Go ahead and eat. I go do what I'm doing, getting ready, come back. He hasn't touched them. Justin, we need to leave in 10 minutes. Eat your eggs. Mom, I'm not hungry. You just asked for eggs, eat your eggs. Come on, it's time to go. So here we are, a couple minutes before we have to leave, so we're not late for the bus, and he still hasn't eaten. I'm like, Justin, why didn't you eat your eggs? Mom, I'm not hungry. I'm like, you're wasting your food. Go get ready. Come on, we got to go. And then God did it. He just was like, wake up, Lynette. He was nervous because he had his mask SOL, and his tummy was queasy, and he didn't want to (laughs) eat. So... I had to catch my breath and um, ask for forgiveness. Teresa or any other teachers we have, close your ears. On the way to the bus stop, we had a little chat, and I told them, you know what, Justin? Making a 600 on your math SOL is not the most important thing. I said, if I'm imagining the end and looking for your heart, there are so many things that are more important than that score on your SOL. I had to say what I did wrong. Um, I apologize for him for um, focusing on the behavior and that he was wasting food. And then I had to apologize for my dirty heart um, and my sin for focusing on that and that I needed um, Jesus just as much as he does and that that is what is most important, that relationship with Jesus and not that math SOL. Um, Contrary to what schools may try and push, but that 
you know, is what is the most important thing. Yours? Okay, I'm going on to the next one, too. (laughs) Um, And the cool thing is that um, God loves us, and his love is so much more powerful than our love as parents can ever be. Our ability and our strength and our desire to love our children the right way starts with learning to love God the right way, which will take us to our third point, which is making it personal. In verse 6, Moses shares, again, how to leave a legacy for the next generation. These commands I give you are to be on your hearts. And that's easy to maybe skip over as we read that. But putting your faith first, your personal growth first, will help us to pass down our faith to our children. If we want it to be in them, it also needs to be in us. It's so easy, as Aaron mentioned, you get caught up in your day, changing diapers, making um, meals, packing backpacks, making sure they've got their homework done, that by the end of the day you're exhausted or you don't have time for God. We need to make sure we're putting deposits in our spiritual growth so that we have it when we need it to pass on to others and that we don't become emotionally drained. When um, my boys were four months old and... uh, eight months old and four years old, sorry, Um, my husband, Mike, was deployed. um, And again, it wasn't to Afghanistan or Iraq or anything, but he went to Guantanamo Bay, Cuba for a year. And um, I was grateful I got to talk to him several times a week. um, So that was cool. But as a mom, with your husband gone and dealing with young kids, it was stressful. I was focused on getting through the day, getting them packed to the babysitters, to work, getting home, making sure that they have what they need. And About six months through, I'm like, I have got to change something. I'm grumpy. I'm mean to them at night. And my heart wasn't right. So at that point, I just prayed. I'm like, God, I need you. I need your help to make it through this. And I set aside 15 minutes during my lunch break. It wasn't an hour, an hour and a half, five hours, just 15 minutes to spend time with God. Reading a devotion, a prayer, um, just some time to spend with him and to refuel myself. That didn't mean every night after that was perfect and smooth sailing, but it sure was a lot better. Um, I had, my tank was filling up, and so I had that to give to my children as well and making sure that I made God a priority in my life. Whatever that is, making your personal growth a priority, make it a rhythm. Find what works for you. If you have young ones, if it's, you know, listening to the Bible on the way to work, listening to a devotion or a podcast or a sermon, whether it's listening to some worship songs in the shower, um, just talking with your kids about how God gave us these taste buds and this yummy food we get to taste uh, (laughs) as you're driving to um, work or to the daycare with your kids, look at that sun, you know, how God gave us that. Look at these pretty trees and flowers and um, just what he has done for us, talking with them, because when they see God working in your life, he'll become real and work in his life as well. Let your kids see that your relationship with Jesus is a priority, and it'll become a priority to them. Remember, the life you lead is the legacy you leave. All right, all right. And I just want to give you uh, some more practical uh, application 
to what Lynette was just saying. And uh, second service, I'm really going to hit on this for our seniors. Uh, but Courtney, you're in here, right? So uh, you get to hear this double, double time. So I, I would just encourage, uh, even for adults, if you've never really made your faith your own, like if you're still coming to church out of, you know, duty, right, rather than uh, desiring to grow, then I would just encourage you to make your faith your own. Uh, because here, here's the reality. If it's not your own, then whenever ter- tough circumstances come into your life, which they will, uh, then it's not gonna, it's gonna be, you're going to be easily shaken. You know what I mean? And you're easily going to be like, oh, I don't know about this thing. You know what I mean? And so I would just encourage you to make your faith your own. Uh, find a faith community, right? So, so Courtney, I know you're, you're uh, staying around here, right? So I would encourage you to stay connected uh, to uh, us or find a uh, college-age ministry where you can get plugged into. And it goes for us as well as adults, man. If you're, uh, if you're coming to Sunday morning church, and, and that's a great thing, but, man, being able to connect with a smaller group of people uh, that will encourage you, that will uh, pray for you and do those things, that, that's, that's really uh, what it's about, and that's going to help fuel uh, your growth in Jesus. And so find a faith community, a small group. And, uh, and then I would say this, too. Don't look at the doubts that you have or questions that you have about your faith as a bad thing. You know, I think we, we probably don't tell you parents this enough, but if you have kids, um, you know, and they, and they start to, to ask questions about their faith and your faith and believing in God and this and that, don't, our tendency is to kind of shy away from that, right? Like, oh, don't, don't ask those questions. But, but actually move towards them and say, yeah, ask the questions. Let them, because I, I would rather them ask the question to me and get the answer from me rather than, you know, getting the cold shoulder from me and asking somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? And so don't, don't be scared of those, those doubts or questions, because even as adults, if we're honest, we sometimes have questions, right, and doubts. Amen? All right. Maybe you don't. I do. Practice spiritual disciplines, right? And that's, that's just reading your Bible and praying uh, and, and, and those things. But, but more importantly than that, as I would encourage you to, to kind of get below the surface. And, and Lynette already hit on this when she talked about fighting for the heart. And I, I would encourage even us as adults to just really do a lot of self-examination, um, kind of get below the surface, you know what I mean? Uh, find out, why am I having the thoughts that I have sometimes? Why do I get angry like I do sometimes? Why do I fall off the handle at my spouse? Why do I, you know, why do I continue to, to, to just come back to this one sin over and over and over and over again? You know what I'm saying? And the only way that you're going to get to the bottom of that is if you peel back the layers and you kind of do a self-examination of your heart. And sometimes that's ugly. Like when we look in the mirror at ourselves and we begin to see the things that we think or do, when we really begin to examine the root cause of those things, it can cause us to be like, whoa. But that's the point. Hopefully that will drive us to Jesus. You see what I'm saying? Tracking? All right. Again, we would love to continue this conversation. Lynette's going to close this out here, and then we're going to uh, do some other things here. All right. If you want to hear about the other hundreds of things that we thought about sharing, we have um, a couple opportunities. During Vacation Bible School, um, there'll be a parent study time, and we'll be digging into parenting beyond your capacity. And that's where the three points came from today. But again, Vacation Bible School, there's something for the parents as well. And then the book that Aaron mentioned earlier, um, Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp. Again, my dad gave it to me when the kids were young, and I read about half of it. And then 
Aaron started talking about it again. That book is money. That book is money. I'm it, telling you. If you want it, again, even if your kids are already middle school, teenagers, whatever, it is. It's awesome, awesome book. If you're interested in it and want a copy of it, just let us know, um, and we'll order it. We will ask for you to pay for it. I think it's 12 or 13 bucks, but just let us know. When you imagine the end, fight for the heart and make it personable. personal. You can control the legacy that you leave. Like Moses did, we want to make sure our faith is passed on to future generations. And remember, like we've been talking about, you don't have to do it alone. God intended for us to live in community and not struggle on our own. They're saying, you know, it takes a village. We want to be your village. We want to be here. You can come to us if you're struggling, if you need encouragement. I know Leslie and I have talked about high school boys and how to handle them and bounce things off of each other. Or Amanda and I talk about, you know, middle school boys. And we're here for you and we want to help you. Doesn't mean we have it all together either, but we can um, pray together. If you struggle with anger or need ideas in disciplining your kids and discipling your kids, we're here for you. And just like he mentioned, not just for the kids, for adults, for small groups, if, or even if you're just struggling with something and are not in a small group, we want to be here for you. And that's our purpose, to come alongside new parents today and be praying for our graduates as they move on to the next stage of their life and to encourage them as they start their next adventure. Awesome. We got a slideshow uh, and second service. We'll kind of go a little bit more deeper than this. But I, I want you guys to see who our graduating seniors were as well as who our infants are. And so this is Brandon Bossett. Brandon is graduating from Bird High School. And uh, so that's his uh, baby picture. I don't know how old. How, you know how old he is in that picture, those two pictures? He's young. He's young. And then, of course, that's his uh, graduating senior picture. And uh, he'll tell us second service what he plans to do. Go on the next slide there. Oh, back up one. Did you, did you skip Carrie? There you go. Carrie Zimmerman. Uh, graduating from Matoka High School. That's her baby picture there. Uh, how old is she, John? Two. And then her uh, senior picture's there, and uh, she'll tell us what she plans to do. Um, second service as well. Go to the next slide. Courtney Owens, who's here in the flesh. Uh, she's, uh, that's her baby picture. And then uh, I tell you, Courtney has really uh, grown a lot in our music ministry here on Sunday night, man. She's playing a guitar, and she's doing a great job. And she'll share with us second service what she plans to do as well. So, Blue Preston, graduating from Monacan High School. Uh, baby picture left there, graduating senior. Go to the next one. Tyler Hamill, baby picture, senior picture. Uh, also, he's graduating from Matoka High School as well. And then I think that's, is that it? That's it. And then to go to the, the infants one. All right, we have the Blicks that will be here, second service as well. Um, they are dedicating all their children. Um, Donnie, Brian, Kayla, Reagan, and Lainey. And there's a picture of them. Dan and Sarah have Evan and Aaron that they'll be dedicating. Um, if I remember correctly, Aaron is the one in the hat. Well, I guess they both have hats on. The one on your right. And um, Aaron on the right, Evan on the left. And then you don't know this guy, but this is um, Shepard Hobeck. Um, Robin will be here with him second service as well. And then David and Sarah Miller um, and their son Isaac. Is that it? Well, what we want to do is close out the service, and we want to pray over our uh, infants and our graduating seniors. But we also want to, you to know this, okay? 
we've, we've talked about a lot today, and uh, we have shared uh, the gospel message with you. And if you would love to uh, chat more about that and uh, what that means and how you can uh, live that out Monday through Saturday, and how we would love to talk with you. Okay, so after the service, just come up and give us your number or email. We can set up times to meet with you or whatever. We would love to be able to do that, all right? You guys good? Well, I'm going to let Lynette pray over our infants. Is that all right? Oh, you already put the one. You got to go back and get the other one. No, just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and I'll pray for our Lord, thank you so much um, for our, our infants and our babies and our children, um, all of them, and especially those we're dedicating today, Lord. Help us just to come alongside the parents, Lord, and walk with them on this tough journey. Um, we know it's not a sprint. It's a marathon, Lord, but help us just to keep pointing them back to you, um, Lord, and help us to um, fight for their hearts imagine the end and make it personal, Lord, um, just so that they will grow up to have a true, authentic relationship with you. And Father, I just want to pray for our graduating seniors. I thank you for them and their life, and uh, I just thank you for what you're going to do uh, in them and uh, through them as they uh, continue on. Um, Father, I just pray that you would bless them, uh, bless their families. Uh, God, that you would just be with the uh, the moms and dads, as they, they see their seniors uh, leaving home or going to their next stage of life, God, that uh, you would just bless them and give them comfort and peace, Father, knowing that you are sovereign and that you're in control. And uh, we thank you so much for all that you do. We thank you for your son, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. If you didn't get a chance to fill out the card uh, prior to service, there's a card in your seat. If you came in late uh, with a cap and a tassel and then one with an infant, right, baby dedication on it, we, we ask that you guys would write a verse of scripture or a blessing or something in that, and then you can just drop it off back here at this gray-looking whatever that is back there. I don't know what that is. Whatever. Cart. All right, so take time to do that because we're going to give these out to our moms and dads and seniors as well. All right, thank you guys for being here. Have a great week.